Congratulations to the New England Patriots, your Super Bowl 53 champions. Welcome to Game Time Podcast with your hosts, Alex Rubinson and Shai Dweck. The New England Patriots are Super Bowl champions. We'll recap the game. We'll dig into the Robert Kraft scandal, Kareem Hunt signing with the Browns, Flacco supposedly going to be traded to the Broncos, and an update on Mr. Big Chest. So, Shai? Let's get right into it, because it's game time! We'll start with the Patriots doing it again. Reigning superior and holding what is another Vince Lombardi trophy. It was a defensive game. It was a great coaching chess match. Kind of, what are your views on the game? Well, if I'm just watching it, I was just not. I mean, I just didn't find it very entertaining, but you've got to look at just sort of... The coaching. Yeah, the behind-the-scenes, the coaching stuff, and sort of that Pray, sort of... Praise Belichick, right. praise Flores, and also, even so though you they... got to give some... Wade Phillips. Even right. though they didn't win, Wade Phillips I mean, the defense did, unbelievable game. The defense did their part to to, to slow the Patriots. And, and uh, get and result, pressure. Yeah, it, result, it, it resulted in 13 points. Did, for the weekly Patriots... 30 points is very little. So, I mean, the offense didn't really come through, but that, that, and that was to the, uh, the even better defense of the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick and his scheme. Definitely. I mean, Brian Flores, who's now the head coach of the Dolphins, great play calling, great scheming coming into the week. So, you give Belichick two weeks to prepare? I mean, that that is dangerous for one the other week team. to prepare but it, exactly so that's why i mean one week you're you're at a disadvantage but two weeks mm-hmm. forget about it i mean yeah i, I, w- just... I want to touch on you said how you said it maybe wasn't mm-hmm. as interesting i felt like there was a big play waiting to happen and we kept we're waiting we were right. on our seats winning for that one big play that comes like every super bowl even if some Super Bowls are more entertaining than others, more high-scoring than others, there's always that one incredible play. And I felt like we were waiting for it and waiting for it, and it just never came. Obviously, the Stephon Gilmore was a big play, but another, in terms of talent, like, another greatness play, of the play... Another play, which I thought was a pretty fantastic play, was when um, uh, there was op- Brandon Cook was open in the end zone, Goff saw it a tad late, got that ball out, should have been a touchdown, but Jason McCourty runs back, makes an excellent play on the football to great instinctual to, right, play by McCourty. He right. really just abandoned his assignment. This wasn't scripted. He went off the script, and that just shows saved how it saved the touchdown, and it just shows how well Belichick teams are coached and Belichick defenses are coached, and just a great instinct play great by McCourty. Effort, yeah. And we kind of go to how it should have been a touchdown. Goff threw that ball way too late. Like, even though McCourty, you have to give him some props because it was a great play. Oh, definitely, definitely. The moment, I think this was a prime example of the moment getting too big for Goff, Goff feeling the pressure in multiple ways, really. What? And he just threw it way too late because you look, right from the get-go, Cooks is wide open. Right after he takes that first step off the line of scrimmage, even before he even is close to reaching the end zone, Brandon Cooks is streaking down the field. Goff could have thrown it before he got in the end zone as he was 
entering the end zone, or even as he had already taken a few steps into the end zone, Cooks was wide open from the line of the scrimmage yeah. to, I guess, right up before McCourty made an excellent play here. on the ball. And that's just a throw that Goff has to recognize earlier, and he has to trust his eyes in that situation and make that throw right as he sees it. Right, but I think this happens also with younger and experienced quarterbacks. We saw a similar thing with Patrick Mahomes, then AFC... Uh, uh, AFC championship, uh, championship game. game. I want to say one thing. He overthrew it, and that was more though of a misthrow. Mm. Goff's throw was accurate. It just he just he just didn't read it. He just time. Ti- the timing is so critical. Which and error he just do you? Th- it. Which which is there like which error do you think is more problematic? Um, I'm gonna say well. I think Mahomes, he was under pressure, and he'll learn from it. I think, I don't know, problematic. Problematic is tough, but I think... What should you more concerned about if you're an offensive quarter, you're a QB coach, and you sort of see that happening? What, 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 I'm, just, I'm just, you know, kind of curious. I think about. from a game to game, it's tough because I think, the, you know, Goff, he showed that, that he can make that throw. Right. He just needs to read it, and... It's the Super Bowl. It's against the New England Patriots, the, you know, at the time, five-time Super Bowl champion. Obviously now six-time. Tying the Steelers, right? Yes, for the most Super Bowls of all time. So that's a throw that Goffin needs to recognize. And it's not like he had been, you know, not reading it correctly the entire season. He's had He had his fair of ups and downs this entire season. But it's... Most of the time, he was getting the ball out quickly and getting the ball out timely, in time, in good timely fashion. Yeah. When in this case, you know, Cooks is wide open, and you can throw it before he gets a touchdown. He's either, he's fast, so he might run it in anyway. But even if he's tackled, you know, you're in prime position to score a touchdown when, at the time, the Patriots were only up 3 nothing. So that's a chance where the Rams can get a touchdown and go ahead instead of what they end up having to kick a field goal to just tie the game on that drive. Yeah, I I, I agree. I just think... That was really one of the plays that I kept my mind and thought right. about. Because also, you know, before you go ahead and say something, just throughout that drive, they weren't able to move the ball at all. Whether it was I consistent think, or not. I think the Rams not. had a very difficult time sustaining momentum really, in the whole game. Talk about sustaining momentum, just getting little, any yeah. momentum. And that was one of their few drives where they actually made some good progress because, I mean, I know Zerline missed the field goal at the end and you had the interception, but you can make the case they had really three good drives in this game when, you know, again, even though the Patriots only scored 13 points, against a Belichick-led team and a Brady-led team, you're going to have to have a lot more than just three good drives if felt, you want to succeed. It never felt like the Rams were comfortable. It certainly the didn't nerves. feel like Goff was comfortable. The nerves. The ner- I mean, I, I just... just it didn't seem like the Rams were comfortable. Obviously, that comes with not being able to gain any momentum against the defense. And, you know, you, I mean, actually, at the end of that game, you could feel them kind of being able to get some confidence, kind of getting some momentum. And then that Stefan Gilmore interception I, just sucks it all away, right? I kind of want so. to talk about the play bef- the play right before the Gilmore play. One, previous, mm-hmm. one play before that. And they were kind of in that same area of where Goff had... Goff threw it too late to Cooks, but this time he throws a beautiful ball over the head of Cooks. It looks like he's going to drop it right in the bucket, which he kind of does, but it looked like there's some arm fighting, you know, mm-hmm. whether, 
I don't know if it would have been holding, but just some, you know, tangles, tangling. And it looked like Cooks had held it in and had kind of pinged it, pinned it against his chest. But then you kind of see the ball squirm out. He never had control. Ends up being incomplete. In that case, that can be a touchdown. Obviously, pending the extra point, you would have had a tie game. So, and Zinawans, and uh, I know he missed a field goal later, but he's a very reliable kicker, so I would have thought he would have made that extra point. So now we're looking at a 10-10 game. Obviously, Cooks couldn't haul it in. He couldn't hang on. And then the interception, which I really... I want to dive into not just the play by Gilmore, but just the scheming. But I want you to kind of lead us off with whatever you have to say. Well, one, Belichick said... One, Goff has been inconsistent all year, right? Especially when he's been confused or under pressure. Under right? pressure's the big one. Where, and, and, and it all started, I think, where it really shot, uh, showed. I mean, he was trending up the whole way. And he was playing fantastically in that MVP conversation during midseason. And then you see that sort of Bears game. I think it started and a little before the Bears. It just showed. It showed the most in that game. Because I, don't really I, mean, blame. I think that Bears defense is so talented, they were really able to exploit freeze. it. It's at night in Chicago. Right. That's a, I don't care if you're Jared Goff. I don't care if you're Tom Brady. That's a tough place to play. You know, I'm not yeah. saying... The Patriots, I mean, Brady... Even Brady played okay in Chicago. And the Bears almost pulled off the big upset against the Patriots in Chicago when it was sunny out in the middle of the daytime. So, obviously, I'm not saying, oh, the Bears would have have taken it to Brady had it been a night game in Chicago. But I'm saying, like, you know, it is a very, very tough place to play Chicago at night, especially when you're facing Khalil Mack and, you know, all those great defensive players led by Vic Vangio, who's now the head coach of yeah. the Denver Broncos. So I want to kind of go, you know, as I said, the scheming of the play. Where and, you know, they brought before, in all... before we kind of get into that, I just want to say right, the, the game plan before it was the, before this game was to get the ball in Goff's hands and make him win the game, make him throw to win the game, and just stop that run, take the run out of the game, and that's exactly. C.J. Anderson what, was very ineffective, and right because that's what that's what Belichick does. He takes away what what you want to do. He takes well, away you that best attack. And, and he made the young quarterback. Well, you know what he run. really took. You know, Belichick. You know, always. What are you going to do best? Because he's going to take that way. He took. Sean McVay and his excellent play calling away. I know. Did, it, I know. It made him, as well. I think he got into his. He got into his head. He made him. But I, I think, think if you don't take that running game away, I think it's. I think was once he took the running game away, he started. He started. To get into Goff's head and start, he to, got up to, and, into McVeigh's head. head. I think because there were know. times where McVeigh overthought some things, overcoached some things, and about a week ago, Anderson kind of came out and said how Ger- Todd Gurley's injury was worse than they expected. So when he was on the exercise bike in the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl, and people were skeptical, oh, is he still a bit banged up? It sounds to me like he was, and he wasn't a hundred percent during the playoffs. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's during the whole. Play, yeah, I mean, of course, during the Golf whole playoffs. Golf played great. It was very clutch in the playoffs. I just we say he was, you know, kind of trending downhill at the end of the year. In that Saints game, where it is very loud in the Superdome, Golf actually played very well and led them on a great comeback after they had trailed thirteen nothing in that environment. So I do just want to clarify that Golf played very well in the playoffs when he had to. No, I don't. I don't disagree, but I think the inconsistency has been there. 
But I, he's um, 24, 25 years old. It's, you no, know, it's, you're it's not fixable, gonna... but I think it's 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 been there this season. No, it, and definitely. And I, you're talking about a guy who is so young and has, you know, helped lead his team to a Super Bowl. That's very tough to do. So right, I, I, he's inconsistent. He has I think had... you got to give the credit, some credit to McVay, too, because uh, I don't think he gets there at all without John McVay. I totally agree. I'm just saying, like, I actually think Goff deserves a, maybe a little... I think a lot of credit goes to Gurley and Donald and McVay. I think Goff deserves some of the credit, too. Uh, but that, obviously, is another story. Kind of going back to the Gilmore interception, I mean... Beltrick brought an all-out blitz, cover zero, where it's really man across the board. You have no free safety or strong safety help over the top. It's everybody's blitzing except guys who will be covering one-on-one. And it got to Goff, and Goff... Threw up that sort of 50-50-ish ball. And with Cook's size, it's... A little You know, exactly. And I want to say one thing is, you know, reportedly kind of before the game... A rule in the NFL, you know, you have about a forty. You have the forty-second play call. This gets back to Belichick confusing, well, you know, Goff and McVay, right? Uh, you have a forty-second play clock, and but a head coach can, or not always head coach, but a coach can talk to the defensive signal caller right up until fifteen seconds. Exactly, fifteen seconds. So the plan was, oh, McVay is going to use all. All every second, run it all the way down to fifteen seconds, so then the Patriots can't change out of it, and they're stuck, and maybe we've caught them off guard. Mm-hmm. Instead, it backfired to the point where Patriots, who they might not not have the best players, I'm but they have very smart and intelligent players who know where to go, what their assignment is, you know, where to be at all times. So instead, they changed it up on. Golf. They kind of changed it up on golf, knowing. You know what they'd be doing, and instead, Goff was the one that wasn't wasn't had, just had the experience to oddball out of it, like we see great players like Tom Brady do. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, all those greats, and it you know it proved costly kind of all game, but it really proved costly on the interception because you know it was for a quarter for an NFL quarterback, you probably should have saw it's gonna be an all blitz. I'm not saying Goff didn't see that. He just maybe didn't have the experience to adjust. He should have. What he should have. Or done, time, for that matter. Too. Time, exactly. So what he, it, he should have probably tried as much to quickly audible out of it, and audible to more safer throw or underneath throw, you know, to pick up the yards, keep the chains moving, and give yourself. I guess it would have been third down, but still, give yourself another chance, and then. Once that interception happens, I know there's, you know, it's, over four minutes left, but it just felt like the Rams or, or yeah, the Rams it, aren't getting the ball back. And even if they are, even there's going to be little time in the Patriots scored, which they did. I don't think did. that was a smart throw to make. Even The I, pressure, the, whether it was the Super Bowl pressure or the literal pressure by all those linebackers and ends. Yeah, but I, I just don't think it's a... Because he, he didn't want to... That's second down, and he doesn't want to take the sack in that situation. But you... I think you gotta, you know, th- throw that away. You try to throw it away. I mean, please. you know, it's easy for us sitting here I know, weeks I know. after. And obviously, right after the play, we're all saying, what are you doing? But when you have 200 to 300 pound men no, chasing I... you at full speed, and your mind is going a million miles per hour, it's tough to make a decision like that when really you don't have any time and. You know, you just need to throw think, it and hope for the best. I think and that's obviously, exactly right. And I think we see great players do that as well. 
it kind of brings me back to that Steelers Patriots game where Tom Brady felt that pressure from the, from the Steelers, and I think they only even rushed. I think they, I believe they rushed four on that play. And he had a little more time though than Goff did. Yeah, and and he just, but he just still made it a a poor read. Let the pressure get to him. I think it was also like, and and it was picked off. I think also he like it was a half throw away, half. Here you go, Gronk. And I, it reminds me more of the Mahomes where Mahomes mm. did take the sack instead of probably trying to throw it away where he easily could have thrown it away. Instead, he tried to make something out of nothing and took a humongous sack, really taking the Chiefs out of field goal range. And we know how costly it was for them right. in the AFC Championship game against those New England Patriots. But, you know, a lot of people say Golf will be back. McVay will be back. They have a good young team. A lot of years of control, um, you know, with Gurley and Donald and all those guys, they'll be back. And I'm not saying they won't, but there's a very young quarterback. His name was Dan Marino. <laughs> a great, great quarterback, one of the best who has ever played um, the game of football and played for the Miami Dolphins. And he made the Super Bowl, I believe it was his second season against the Joe Montana-led 49ers. And he lost... But, you know, obviously with this being, you know, his second season, you know, everyone was saying, oh, don't worry, he'll be back, he'll, he's a great, he'll be a great, great quarterback, which he was. He'll, he'll have another chance, he'll win one, and as we see now, he never did. And obviously he's one of the best quarterbacks who has ever played this game. He is unbelievable. He has gone down in history as, you know, a top maybe five quarterback, arguably. Mm-hmm. But he did never get that ring after many people thought, oh, don't worry, he'll get one. And I'm not saying Goff, again, won't get back to the Super Bowl or, or won't get another chance like he did this year. But there is that possibility that is raised, especially guys more recent like Matt Ryan and Cam Newton, who they lost their Super Bowl. They haven't made it back. You know, there's just... You you do see a few examples where you have, like, these fairly young or even, like, kind of middle-aged quarterbacks who they get to a Super Bowl, they lose, and people thought, you know, maybe the, you know, they have a chance next year or the next two, three years, and they never do make it back. Right. No, I think that's true, but I think that's... It's, it's possible, but I think you can't just... You know, it's a possibility. Uh, I'm saying, look, I'm not just... saying Goff and McVeigh and that whole crew won't make it back. I'm not saying, oh, they're done. You know, this is it for their whole generation. You know, pick a new quarterback. Yeah, you know, yeah. pick a new hiccup. I'm not saying any of that. I am just saying that, you know, there's no guarantees in this NFL. No matter how good you are one year or one game or once, you know, however you want to say it, no matter how good you are, there's no guarantees in this league. And that's also what makes this league so competitive and compelling to watch year right. in and year yeah. out. Right. So congratulations to New England Patriots, your Super Bowl 53 champions. I have a feeling that they'll be right back in the thick of things next year, whether it's Super Bowl or AFC Championship game. Uh, I don't know. I have a weird hunch they might. Mm. <laughs> So wonder why. <laughs> we're going to move on to the Robert Kraft scandal. And obviously, the scandal has, you know, come out more and more information within the, you know, last few days. So we're still right, kind of yeah. gathering information, uh, you know. So be aware that we might have, there might be more information out there that we have not heard yet. Before we get into it, 
uh, there's reports that there's at a like a West Palm Beach um, jail. He is you know, craft being craft that is will you know surrender or whatever. He by my knowledge, he has not surrendered yet or given up anything yet. And then kind of you know the NFL has come out and not not now uh, specifically, but just in the past, and I said how we we hold our owner to the highest of standards mm. we hold our owner owners to maybe even a higher standard than a say a player or a coach even i'm not saying that specifically but i'm saying you know stuff like that so for example that jim ursay the indianapolis Colts owner in 2014 um uh, kind of one against the drug policy and something about like drug possession and he was suspended six games for five hundred thousand dollars now assuming there is discipline for craft in the nfl and their investigation yeah the number of games and the money will be a lot more but when you have six billion dollars you know the money's not really this <laughs> what even what five million you know how many i mean even we get right. into the mil- multi-millions, you know, how much damage will it really do to his uh, financial ability, really. Right. But right. kind of more going more to the serious topic of... Um, what actually... What happened and uh, solicitation of prostitution. Yeah. So and just kind of... possible involvement in human trafficking. That as well, yes. And he was one of 25 guys to be involved in this, but obviously when you were the... Owner of the New England Patriots, most of the headlines will be surrounding right. you. Not just in the sports world, but you're the head, just you're the worldwide. Not just any. Not just of the team, but it all starts at the top. Yeah, you know? not and also we're not just talking about an owner. We're talking about you know maybe the we're talking about Robert Kraft, the owner of the winningest team. You know, in the twenty first in the twenty first right. century, and you know a team that in the you last know, decade, yeah. last what three last three weeks and a couple of days ago he was standing up partying with the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, you know him, Belichick, Brady, they're all partying, and now obviously this comes up, and also that these actions specifically, um, I'm I think I heard took place the day of the AFC Championship right. game against yeah. the Kansas City, City Chiefs. Chiefs. Uh, so kind of maybe that's kind of all the information. Now it's kind of actually just our thoughts. Shy, I'll let you start. Well, it's just that it's unfortunate. The, 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 yeah, it's really unfortunate. It's a, it's a horrible thing that he did, and he obviously should be punished for it. And, and I, I, just, I, I I assume he will be not just by the NFL, but by and it's just you know police and what they did their investigation. I also want to add one more thing. Sorry, but it's not a good look. When, of course not. No, when someone says, uh, we have video evidence, <laughs> and then not too long after, someone from Robert Kraft's camps denies these allegations. Yeah, That's it's just not, it's an like, awful look. Not just for like, the Patriots. Not only are you slimy and doing these horrible but things, but now you're denying now something you're we have obvious. That we have, that, you know, obvi- I, don't think, I don't think the video is public, um, but when you have police officers and all these people that have, you know, very effective and efficient proof, and you're still denying it, something's just not right there. Right, And yeah. it's unacceptable and, you know, very unprofessional, especially for, you know, a guy with such, you know, a job and such a, you know, figure in our it's life. It's just and that 
the, how people do look up to him success, before that. The Patriots' success, especially the the last, especially the in the twenty first century, century, in this will never you know be you know questioned. denied denied question. Well, well whatever people you will deny it, but more as like because they don't want to oh, face the, the truth. Oh, Deflate Gate, yeah, Spygate, but like people whatever. will also just not want to face the well, truth. Spygate was. For well, you, kind of. Well, it didn't really matter, but it, yeah, it, it was because the you know the giant the eighteen and one Patriots. That was their record that season. So right, it, it was a happy ending for all. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I I just think the success will never be denied, but or maybe just it will be denied, but not. But you like know just because people you, are in denial of how good the Patriots have been, right. so no one will. No one will deny it in that in a certain sense. like seriously deny it, or someone who right. you but know isn't a biased fan. But then, but then you look at the at the the head of the team and the organization, and this just throws a huge shadow over it and a terrible reputation. That, that plus the Patriots know, are always like you know no one's above the law. We have like a line and a standard for all, and yeah, no I one's mean, above Belichick, it. No one's above. Belichick will cut you know. The one of the best players on his team, or trade him if, if he's not trade. disciplined, or, or or he does something. There that will violates be, I mean, school. Malcolm Butler was he sat Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl for I don't know missing a practice or showing up late to a practice. So we've seen that even the biggest stars on the team, if you're not what Belichick's expectations are, you will be punished. And, and now it's just kind of ironic. Now the owner, the, the owner. head. Is, is, the is, friend, it, there's a reason why the they're standard. called it. There's a reason why they're called the owner. They own the team. Right. And I was talking to someone, big Patriots fan. He was saying, "Oh, this is this does not represent our organization." But of this, course it does. It's not their. It or- ha- in a way, it has to. Right. It is because he's the owner. It's mm-hmm. not just one play. Like, for example, let's say something like this happened with Julian Edelman. Just an example. You can cut him, trade him. You can just easily get. You cannot bench you can the get, owner. You can't you trade can, the owner. Exactly. You you can even trade a head coach or a coach. It's been done before. Not not no. I'm I'm saying not because of allegations or anything like this. But like, um, John Gruden was traded. Uh, in his first term with the Raiders, he was traded to the Buccaneers. Not because of again, not because of allegations. Uh, just you know, in general, he was traded. So you can get rid of a coach. You can even get rid of a general manager. Really, the one position in a organization you can't get rid of, like right. that, like that, is the owner. Yeah, and I just think, I think as long now people are seeing this. As long as craft is there, it, it just questions throws, will be raised. Yeah, and it throws a dark light over that, a dark shadow over that organization. Yeah. Not in that their success is still. A lot Re- very is, relevant. Still relevant, but then you look at the other side, the business, the organization, and it's not you know looking good. You know, not you know you talk about these cheating al- allegations. Which that's of course, more football related. That's more football related. And also, of course, even this is a world. This is a whole uh, issue and more serious. Happening. This is a more serious and you know. But it's also worldwide issue. Up Character it, concerns. It and also issues. builds up, yeah, that character concern issues in that organization. I mean, whether you believe them or not, the, they just build up these bad, bad habits. Habits, and it is just just dark shadow over, over, over craft and and the, that entire and franchise and organization. Because right. although you might not, you know, you might think Patriots, and you might think Brady, Belichick, whoever, you might not mm-hmm. think Robert Kraft. 
But at the end of the day, Kraft represents that organization. Of course he does, yeah. And you can't, no one can deny it. I mean, no one can say. I mean, he can say, could even be, I mean, he's, he's been indicted. He is technically a, a criminal in a sense, right? He, he is. And I, even if these are, you know, misdemeanors. But, I mean, that's criminal This charges. is a very serious issue. Serious issue. And he could potentially face jail time as well. So, I mean, this, of course, it's a very serious issue. And here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you, does this drama, this scandal, although it's not directly related to football, does it affect any sort of... In terms of success in for terms the Patriots? Of success next year. I mean, I think people will always not, maybe not question some of, you know, the ownership of uh, for obvious reasons and craft and all that, but in terms of on-field success, this wasn't to any player. This wasn't to Belichick. This wasn't to, you know, a coordinator. But it's still drama. It's a, drama. Of the head of the franchise. I agree. It's definitely drama, but at the end of the day, I the think drama the Patriots. Drama can do terrible things. Definitely, I know. I know what drama can do. I'm a Giants fan. There's a guy in the locker room named Odell Beckham Jr. I'm a Steelers fan. There's Mr. I Big Chest. There's Mr. Big Chest. There's Mr. Greedy Chest. Okay. Yeah. He likes money. He likes money. There's also Le'Veon Bell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but kind of going back to the Patriots, it's, uh, look, I, there might be drama. You know, there might be definitely some players and coaches wanting question. You know, questioning some of their people above them. But I think at the end of the day, as long as Belichick and Brady are there. I don't think you can question, are they going to continue to win? Because hmm. if anyone can block out, obviously this will, you know, but in a, in a locker room, when you're in a locker room, if there's anyone that can block something like this out, I feel like it's Brady and Belichick. No, so, I don't disagree. Like, so obviously this, this needs attention. People need to see what has happened and face the awful things that... Um, Robert Kraft is done, but I think at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, this will not damage the success, the on-field success of the New England Patriots. Okay. Well, of course, you just wrap this up. Terrible thing to do, but um, we'll see sort of how this ends up In terms up of on-field success, but... in terms of on-field success, I think the Patriots will move past it. Okay. But I think this does obviously need careful attention as it's just been a horrible and awful, you know, Incident. act yeah. that Robert Kraft has committed, and you know, we'll see what the we'll, we'll yeah. see how it plays out, and kind of just can also with this being a relatively new story, um, within the past few days, kind of just you know close. To, we're gonna kind of continue to monitor it, kind of see how, as uh, you said, play out. Because obviously, we still don't know all the details and punishment and all that. So we're still kind of getting all that as well. Right. All right. So, so now to another guy who has had questions in his past. Kareem Hunt signing a one-year deal for, I, I want to say, $645,000, which is in the NFL, not that much, no. with his hometown team, the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, he had another horrific act uh, with him pushing a woman and kicking her while she was on the ground. Uh, he This actually happened in Cleveland because he is a, even before he signed the deal Cleveland with the Browns, native. he is a Cleveland native. He, before he signed the deal with, uh, even before he signed with the Browns, he was a resident in Cleveland. 
So, obviously, this is another horrible act. And now, obviously, he's getting a second chance. But I feel I kind of feel bad for the Chiefs. Oh, no. yeah, Because they're, they did the right thing by releasing him. And had they not released him, they would have looked like the bad guys, which they probably would have been. But now, the Browns... The Browns get to be the people that give him a second I don't chance say and they're, take on this talent, right? I don't want to say they're the good guys, the Browns. But they're certainly not the bad guys. They're not... Yeah, exactly. Or they're not at least as bad as the Chiefs would have been had the Chiefs kept them. I was very surprised by this move by the Browns. Because mm. as you know, I'm a big fan of Nick Chubb. No, who, I am as well. I think he's fantastic. Uh, there's 16 games in an NFL in an NFL regular season. He started nine, which is just over half a season, which isn't that much. He was four yards short of a thousand, which is incredible as no, a rookie. As a rookie, starting just over half a year, and you are so and you are that close to a thousand yards as a runner. That's pretty impressive. So I'm a big fan of Nick Chubb moving forward, which is why I was kind of taken aback by interesting. The Browns went and signed him. Also, the Browns' current owner, John Dorsey. Oh, sorry, not owner. General manager. My apologies. Um, The Browns' current general manager was the Chiefs' general manager when the Kansas City Chiefs drafted Kareem Hunt uh, a couple years ago in the third round. So that connection may still be present. They have that relationship. They already have like a... Pre relationship. He's probably scouting it. He's probably scouted him. He knows the talent. Well, I think we all, after, we all know what Kareem Hunt can do on a football field. We don't want to know what he can do off. Well, we do. Unfortunately, we we do. do. But we don't want to know about it. That's that's where the real scouting needs to come in to see has Kareem moved past these. Actually, I think there were actually two events. There was another one, I I believe the most notable one that we've kind of talked about was in January of 2018. I believe there's another event in June 2018 that's not really being talked about. Uh, but we he can really, can Cream Hunt move past these series of events to become a better person? Because the Browns, as I said, was a one-year deal. But he has a restricted free agent at the end of the season, which basically means that the Chiefs, or sorry, the Browns, if a team offers Cream Hunt any deal, whatever years, whatever money it is, the Browns have the right to match it and then retain his rights for however long that deal was. So, there's that. Or he could, again, right. just agree to a deal with the Browns in the first place. But the the Browns have Hunt's rights at least for one more season, and maybe even more with him being a restricted free agent, not unrestricted. So I wanted to clarify that as well. Yeah, I think, I think what you're, the Browns are looking for is just to add sort of that star power and hope, you know, that makes them more even more competitive in the AFC North, which is a very tough division right now. Um, you know, with with I, three teams that could end up being in the playoffs next year. I think so. this. I think really both North, but I guess focusing on the AFC North right now. Yeah, this is gonna be a really great division race. Uh, per per Dan Graziano of ESPN, I think it was him that said how, um, <clears throat> that Hunt suspension could be ten to twelve games, which a normal suspension is six, maybe eight, depending on mm. what the NFL has found in their investigation. So this suspension will obviously be north of right. like an average suspension for these kind of actions and this kind of punishment. 
So Nick Chubb will still be the running back for the, the majority of the season. He should even be the guy. He'll be when the, Hunt is even present, unless there's a, a, a injury unless, or something. Unless I want to, I want to add you know, some, but it's also we always talk about running backs, how you know they have shorter careers and how all the hits they take and the carries they have it wears them down. And then we even saw with Gurley how he was banged up really throughout the entire playoffs and at the end of the regular season as well. So from just a team perspective, you're saying, wow, at the end of the year, yeah, we're already gonna have a what should be a pretty good running back in Nick Chubb, but then we're also going to get the set of fresh legs by Kareem Hunt. Hunt right. can also... I'm I'm not questioning Chubb's uh, receiving game. I need to see, I think Trump, I need to see more bad. of it. That's what I want to say. I Hunt is already an established Chubb pass catcher, though. He's a very capable receiver. And Hunt's more established, though. I want Yeah, to I think Hunt is more established, but I, I think we've yeah. seen Nick Chubb. Made some some really fantastic, spectacular catches over Bengal over a defender, really against the Bengals. That's the one I remember. But, but there's been Nick Chubb's catches. really coming into his own. Yeah, and and he's all the things you want. He's explosive, hard to take down. He's you know. I mean, he ran a he had a ninety two yard touchdown against the Atlanta Falcons. That was his. Right. That was can, his welcome think, to the NFL game. Yeah, I also think he's a a, a, a good pass catcher. I would like to also see more of it, as you said, but I think it's definitely there. And I think it also helps that, you know, he's coming with Baker Mayfield. You know, they were drafted the same class. They both went to rookie Manning camp, meaning they already kind of have a little connection mm. going. And yeah. It's always good to have a connection with the starting quarterback. Kind of going back to Kareem Hunt, it'll be interesting. Do you, th- do you think Hunt gets a big payday next year? Assume, assuming he does... Assuming there's no injury, but remember, he's only going to play four, six games, maybe a couple more, depending if they reach the postseason or not. But do you think he'll get a big payday knowing he's only played four or five games, or really four to six games? And, you know, obviously you have these big, big background questions with the, you know, awful actions he committed. Assuming no further issues happen off the field... We're on and, the field in terms of injury. And we're looking for, what, production that we would expect from Kareem Hunt in those four I'm, games? I'm, that's what I'm saying. Assume that with what he's done this, these last almost two years, because he didn't quite finish last year because of the release mm-hmm. by the Chiefs, I'm assuming he keeps up what he's done, yes, the last mm-hmm. couple of years. I would say that he's not going to get – it's not going to be – on the same market as any of the guys, of course, like Le'Veon Bell. Well, David Johnson got John three Burley. years, thirty nine. That's thirteen million a year. No, I don't think he's gonna get that. Okay, so you think he gets? Does he get ten? Does he get double digits million per year? No. Okay. He does not. That's that's what. Does I he think. get a long term? Does he get a long term deal? Maybe for less uh, average annual value, but does he get? Does he get four years? Does he get three, two? Does he get a one? Does he get a... Because he's only played a little, does he get another one-year prove-it deal? I don't think it's a one-year prove-it deal. I think two to three is the most likely. Okay. Because it gives him, you know... Uh, you you know, could also it, it work gives, something where, like, one year and an option. Right. Or two years, but you have an opt-out. Something in that range. No, I think, yeah, two to, two to three is around Or you could have incentive. yeah. There's also a mark of, like, do incentive, how do incentives? Maybe they do right. more of a 
prove yourself where the guaranteed will be low, mm-hmm. but if he hits all these benchmarks, he can make a lot more money. I know that's what Richard Sherman did with the San Francisco 49ers a year ago after he was released by the Seahawks and signed with them. No, I think that I think that he will I think that's very possible, but I think money-wise we're looking somewhere around 6 to 8 million a year. 6 to 8 million? Yeah. That's what I would expect. Yeah. Just for the sake of this, had these actions not been made, what do you think he gets? Do you think he well, gets... Well, so big the Chiefs, of course. Obviously, but I'm saying, like, if he were to keep this production for the next couple of years, meaning four years, which would be the remainder of his entire contract, and he's with the Chiefs and he keeps up the four production... Four years? Well, because if the Chiefs kept him for the entirety of his contract, it'd be a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying he's played four years. He's kept up the pr- production that we've mostly seen. What does he get? I would say. Does he get fifteen, thirteen? In I that range, say, does he get less? I would say fourteen plus. Fourteen plus. That makes sense. Because you know Bell is gonna obviously uh, well, try to set the market again. Because Gurley signed a four-year, sixty million dollar deal with forty-five million guaranteed. So mm-hmm. on average, that's fifteen million per year. So Bell. Bell, initially, Bell wanted 14.5 to 15, but now that Gurley got 15, Bell's probably... And there was a report that Bell wanted 17, you know, uh, a little bit back. This was a little bit back, but well, I, well, I might, assume that might be his, you know, his... Uh, his he might come in goal. saying, I want 17 to 18, knowing that, well, if you drop, you're still getting 16, maybe 15.5, where right. if you come in at 15 and to 16... And he wants to be the highest RB in the NFL. Which, of course, but, uh, if he didn't, he wouldn't have sat out and bailed right. on fourteen and a half million, which is quite a lot of money. And I, you know, it's remains to be seen whether he's going to make that up. Definitely, you know? definitely. So let's move on to Joe Flacco. I say supposedly being traded to the Denver Broncos because all it's tra- not official. Yet. All trades and free agent um, acquisitions can't be official until four p.m. March 13th, Eastern Time. Mm. So you'll see a lot of free agent signings March 11th and March 12th, and even um, the morning of March 13th, but no trades or signings can become official until 4 p.m. on March 13th, again, Eastern Time. So obviously we kind of know that this is happening. Um, It probably will happen, even though it technically can't be official. Uh, It looks like it's going to be Joe Flacco for one of Denver's two fourth-round picks. So, Shia, I'll kind of let you start. I mean, I think it's, you know, pretty good value, you know, for the for the Ravens. I mean, he was going to be your backup quarterback, and you now got a fourth-round pick, which is a really solid pick. Yeah, and I just, I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you know, he's a solid, I never thought Joe Flacco was, you know, that much better than an average NFL QB. I thought, and you I know, he was average, and I, maybe from se- maybe one or two seasons he I was above Joe, average. I slightly. think Joe Flacco's got to be just a placeholder for the Broncos. Well, someone that's why I was so can, shocked. Someone that can sort of start before you bring in, you know... A Drew Locke, a Daniel Jones. Because I think, yes, the Broncos, whether they do draft one at 10 or they trade up or not, I think they... Or pref- maybe draft them next year. I, yeah, but I think... Because that's a better QB class. Too. Yeah, but Flacco's... Each year, Flacco's salary gets higher and higher. 
Right. I think it's like 18 this year. It'll be like 21 next year. And the third year, it'll be like 25. So it does get higher and higher. I'm shocked because Case Keenum is due 18 million also, this year. For, Can just I going just go back to that Ravens trade? Um, I'll let you finish a second, but just going back to that Ravens trade, you mentioned that salary, you know, and you mentioned that salary, and I think val- now now you have a quarterback right. in Lamar Jackson on a that's rookie what, contract. That's why it's so much value. Not exactly because you're getting great value for the player, but you're getting great value, value at a for, valuable for, position. Yeah, at quarterback. Yes, a guy that's not starting and a guy that's taking a lot of money. Yeah, so you know, I kind of talk about. You know, Case Keenum, because he's owed $18 million this year. And this is the final year of his contract. So, I was shocked that Denver did this deal. Because you have a, you know, is Keenum going to go out and be incredible? Probably not. But Keenum is a serviceable quarterback who will be fine if, you know, maybe he's a placeholder for, you know, a younger rookie or just a younger quarterback. You know, it's also, you know... You know, you're not paying him, you know, Flacco, you're on the books for the next three years, although none of that money is guaranteed. But Keenum, after this year, is a free agent. So I expect the Broncos to either tra- – they want to trade Keenum, obviously, but I think they're going to cut him if they, they can't. can't find him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If they can I, – I think it's trade him or cut him. I think there's no way they're going to bring two quarterbacks who combined for $36 million into August – Unless they are planning on waiting to the last second before cutting Keenum or maybe trading him if another quarterback gets injured. Mm. A lot like maybe when Bradford was traded after the Teddy Bridgewater uh, gruesome injury a few years back. So that's why I was so surprised uh, about, you know, I guess they're not giving up on Keenum. I also now want to go to John Elway, the general manager of the Denver Broncos. He has, you know, whiffed on quite a few quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Trevor Simeon, Brock Eisweiler, Paxton Lynch, you know, uh, Case Keenum. Yeah. And well, I don't know if that was a whiff. I'm not sure. Well, you pay him $18 million a year, and, you know, they, they, were trying to, they were trying to win this year. And I know they traded Demarius Thomas and Earl. Not, I'm um, not a baseball guy, but could it be considered. Emmanuel Sanders got maybe injured. Maybe a foul ball or something like that. Because. He's not, because he, I think he got a guy that can, he got, got someone who can hold the place for a little bit, but not, but not someone who. But I thought Keenum was going to hold the place maybe for a younger guy, not a guy who I'm pretty sure is older than he is in Flacco. Well, I don't think Keenum was a complete disappointment for production. Also, what happened to his receivers, and I'm not saying it was a complete disappointment, but the Broncos who, you know, I know. They're de- they traded away Akeem Tlaib and everything, but their defenses was still solid. It was fine. It's and okay. they were trying to win now, and the offense just the, – the offense was nothing special. Nothing – it's not like you were going to a Broncos game and you're like, yes, we get Maybe to see British, that British great offense. Philip Lindsay, but – Philip Lindsay, yeah. No, Lindsay, a thousand yards, I believe. He was fantastic and great things – Great things to come for him as he was mm-hmm. a Pro Bowl selection and everything undrafted. But right. kind of going back you got to young receivers there too, a young Cortland Sutton, yeah. yeah, all those you guys, want someone you can throw to all those guys. Uh, but I mean, you look at John Elway; he's just swung and missed at so many different quarterbacks, young veteran. You know, I think one. You know, I'm not questioning. I don't want to really say anything about his. You know, 
I don't know if he would be there if he wasn't John Elway. You know what I mean? He oh, is yeah. the I, greatest I, Bronco in franchise history. He led them to, I believe, what, like five Super Bowls? He mm-hmm. won multiple Super Bowls. I mean, he is a Broncos icon, a legend. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks, you know, period, mm-hmm. le- let alone for the Broncos. So, obviously, I think there's a lot of, you know, oh, can we really fire this guy? Can we really let this guy go? Because, I mean, right now, I think people are more, I think right now, of all the players and coaches on the team, I think fans want to get his autograph the most. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I think it's exactly right. He did get Peyton Manning when, after Peyton Manning had that gruesome neck injury. So he did go out and pull the trigger there, and obviously that was a smart that move. That was a right. smart move. Yeah. We'll see how Vic, Van, Vic Fangio kind of turns out there as well. Yeah. So now, as our final topic, Mr. Big Chest, or Mr. Big Checks, or however you want to say it. Obviously, first he says, you know, Antonio Brown we're talking about. Right. You know, at first he says... Right oh, I don't care about the money, but now he's saying, oh, well, none of my contract is guaranteed. I don't want to pay, I don't want to play for unguaranteed money. I want my contract restructured. I want my money guaranteed. We're still three years on the deal, which can make it tough for teams because one of the most enticing parts of Antonio Brown or for trading for him is that that contract that's very affordable. You're a Steelers fan, so yeah. I know obviously you're going through some iffy times with Bell and Brown. Yeah, it's okay, Shy. I'm. I just. It's just. It's been rough. It's been rough. But you have that. It's. He's just. He feels just like a toxic presence in that locker room, and with every comment he makes, it's just getting worse and worse with ownership mentality about Big Ben. I want to talk, if you, you go ahead, but I want to talk about two comments, one by Brown to Ben, or about Ben, and one about, and one of GM Kevin Colbert about Ben. So they're both about Ben Roethlisberger, so you say what you want to say, but I want to talk about those next. Yeah, I just think Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, Antonio Brown is just, you know, he's a fantastic receiver, he has an ability, and I, he's one of my favorite players in the NFL for a long time, as a Steelers fan, but... You can't deny, like, every day, I just want him gone more and more, because I just... With every post, with every comment, with every word he has said. I just think he's, as you said, a toxin in the locker room right now. And I just, I just, the disrespect also that he has shown to Mike Tomlin, I think... And that whole organization. Is is, is, is a lot. Can I just add something quickly? Everyone was, you know, ganging up on Le'Veon Bell, joking about Le'Veon Bell, cleaning out his locker, you know. Antonio Brown never won against Le'Veon Bell. No, Antonio Brown... There were even times when, you know, Mike Tomlin went against Le'Veon Bell. That organization at a time went against Le'Veon Bell. Antonio Brown never won against Le'Veon Bell. I think... I don't know about how much of that is a real issue. It's just another thing to consider, though. I guess, yeah. But I, I just think he's, he's just, I think what Bell and what Brown did, I, you just, as a serious fan, you're done with this drama. You want it to be gone. You don't want to be the Kardashians anymore. You don't, you don't, you just Quoted want, by Juju and Smith. many other yeah. stewards. I just, I players. just think that you need, just 
get rid of the drama. You get just you're gonna let Bell walk. You gotta trade Brown, hopefully for good value, and then. This is another thing to think about. I feel like his value is decreasing with everything he says and post he makes. They'll get a second round pick at least, I think. We'll see, but it should be very interesting to watch. Can I get to the comments, though? One more thing. I just think, you love the drama. It goes into what you're about to say, but I think you've got to think about Ben Roethlisberger, too, and how much he ignites sort of the fire of it. That's what I want to talk about, Big Ben. create. So, but you can't, quarterback is different. He's the quarterback that's led your team. And talk about face of the franchise. You, you can't know, really a... get rid of him. But you can decrease the amount of damage he needs to... that he's he not, does. He's never really... And maybe if you don't start winning now, think about maybe replacing him if this drama does continue and you're not winning. I Go mean, he's just, he, he just never has been a great leader. So the two, two things. I'll start with Antonio Brown. He came out about a week or so ago week and a half maybe now, and he basically said how Ben Roethlisberger has this ownership mentality and how he can call us out, but if we try to call him out, we're gone. Like, they're going to move us out of town. And Antonio Brown has acted like a child with his behavior. Complete diva. Immature, childish, all those things. But when you look at just the comments, not who said them and what, not under the circumstance, but just specifically the actual comments... You can't say he's wrong. I mean, he's kind of right. I mean... Yeah, but he's also a hypocrite, in a way, because, you know, he's he's saying that, you know, Antonio's around, I mean, and Ben Roethlisberger is above, above everyone, but he's acting like he's he's, he's above everyone. I'm not That's saying he's, he's not. Acting. I'm not arguing that you that he's I, I just, not. He He's acting like that, too. But when you look at it, Ben Roethlisberger... You know, he goes and criticize he I, something that really sticked in my mind was he overthrew James Washington. James Washington was wide, wide open. He overthrew him. Washington gave out a full, full out dive. Great effort, but he still missed it because it was overthrown. And then he criticized James Washington, like after the game. And then, you know, after he he targeted Antonio Brown and it was intercepted for a loss. You know, they end up losing that game because of the interception. He kind of said, oh, we shouldn't have thrown to number 19, which is Juju Smith-Schuster's number, their other receiver. We should have thrown to number 19 more, you know. And he kind of just keeps, you know, and then on the radio after the season, oh, you know, Antonio Brown and I are good friends. I've texted him. I've called him. I haven't, res- I haven't you know, he hasn't responded to any of my comments, but we're good friends. I mean, there's just something very skeptical, and obviously, you know, maybe there was more mutual respect and more of a competitive fire. Well, you can't. But at the end of the day, something went wrong. Something and it, went wrong. But you got to look back on how far this bad relationship traced, right? You you look at the connection that they've had and how dominant this quarterback five receiver duo has been. Because I think they've been one of the best in the NFL about the recent decade, if not the best, dare I say. So... Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's got to be some sort of connection, and there has to be some sort of relationship, decent relationship, I think, for that to happen. But I, but at some point, it's been deteriorated. Been deteriorating they leave it on the field, but uh, it's like they try to put a big smile on their face, but, like, once they're behind closed doors, they kind of, you know, try to go at each other, you know, passive-aggressively. The other thing I want to go to now, again, kind of 
concentrating on a big ban year is Kevin Colbert, the Pittsburgh Steelers general manager. He said, um, oh, big people should listen to Big Ben. He's been there. He's done that. And then he said, which really stuck to me, was Big Ben can criticize whomever, whoever he wants. And you can't. I don't care how many years you've been in the league, how many Super Bowls or how successful you've been. I don't care how old you are or what position you play. You can't just go around and criticize, you know, whoever you want, whether he's Below, whether he's on your team, not on your team, upper management, another player, you can't just go around criticizing whoever you want. I don't care what your name is. I don't disagree, but I do think... I think you may have to look at it from another angle, because, you know, obviously you have the right, you can criticize everyone. It might not you be shouldn't be allowed to, and whether it's Tomlin, Art Rooney, you their maybe own... maybe disciplined for it. But he will, that's the problem, though. Like, he's done it multiple times, and at least publicly, or what I know, he, has, he hasn't been disciplined. Okay. You, you, you've got to, I think you have to say that, okay, if you... Maybe, okay, when you look at these comments, like, we should have thrown in number 19 more. He, I, maybe that he's saying, you know, we didn't target number 19 enough in that game. But, like, you know, I get may, it. Maybe you know, pull Antonio. He's not, maybe he's not trying to make a shot at Antonio Brown. You know, and also. But you should pull maybe, whether it's Juju, James Washington, Antonio Brown, whoever also, you it is. Ke- maybe was, pull them on there privately. There's a report that Kevin Talk- Colbert also revisited those comments. I haven't yet looked at that report, okay. but you also have to look at that yeah, and read okay. more into it. So. Yeah, I didn't see that, you know, much or really at all. So, but, I mean, maybe you pull it whether it's Juju or Antonio Brown or even if it was Le'Veon Bell before or James Washington or Mike Tomlin or whoever you it is. You shouldn't do it publicly. You have to pull them on one-on-one or maybe pull them in with a coach or uh, upper management and you do it privately. You don't just go right after right after the game. I get it. Maybe after a tough loss, tensions are high and emotions are on but fire. Sure but ben you don't Roth do is... that. He needs to have a better. He needs to think before he does it. Sometimes he says some no, things exactly. before think, thinking. He I needs to be think better. That ben, I think Ben Roethlisberger could be oblivious to the fact that he's being antagonistic. I I I think that, that he is just maybe oblivious to that fact and is not. And is and is not you know realizing the repercussions that it could have, which is of course problematic. But I think it's just something that you have to take account when take into account when knowing these intentions. Yeah, yeah. So that's all the time we have on Game Time Podcast. We'll obviously be close closely monitoring free agency, which is coming up in the next few weeks. Um, franchise tag is next week. NFL Combine is this week. So be sure. To be watching all these fantastic events in the NFL. Also, be sure to listen to Fast Break Podcast with... Yours truly and uh, Noah Friedman. And then also... It's a, a basketball podcast, by the way. Also, a new podcast should be coming out soon with called Game 163, covering all your MLB and baseball headlines and analysis with yours truly, Alex Rubinson and Frederick Horowitz. See you next time on Game Time Podcast.